to the Persuasion Lab Podcast. I'm Martin Diros, expert negotiator. Unfortunately, the world isn't made to your specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the fully outfitted Digital Persuasion Lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. It's back. Have you noticed that everything is more expensive? This week in the Persuasion Lab, we're going to talk about what we're seeing in the marketplace and how to negotiate to protect yourself when you see prices rising. So you've probably noticed everything is a bit more expensive. And we read headlines, for example, why are cars more expensive? Oh, chips shortages mean they can't complete the cars, so they're slowing down the lines. Fewer cars, longer times to get new cars. Prices go up, and even used cars are in demand because people can't get new cars. I'm talking about inflation. The simple definition of inflation is that prices are increasing and this takes away your purchasing power. Simply put, more buys less. Today we're going to give you seven things you can do to get cost escalation clauses into your negotiations, into your contracts, and tell you about strategies and tactics on how to do that. If you want more information more even than in the show notes, I really want you to subscribe to our newsletter. We have a very special issue this week on these cost escalation clauses. And if you're in the business, if you're building a new house, if you're doing a remodel, if you're looking for a car, if you're a purchaser, if you're a manufacturer, you want to get these notes. So please subscribe. And the link to that newsletter subscription is in the show notes. So, by now you've noticed the marketplace, prices are going up. If you're a student of history or remember the 1970s, we're seeing that type of inflation. High single digit, maybe even double digit inflation for certain commodities like softwood lumber. So, let's look at some causes and ultimately how to deal with these issues. At the end of the day, this is about supply and demand. Too many dollars chasing too few goods. That's inflation. And there's different areas, and I'm not going to go over all the economics. I'm just going to talk about some areas that increase prices. First and foremost is energy. Everything we do takes energy. Right now, if we look at the price of our number one energy supply is carbon-based fuels, well, that's going up. And coincidentally, this is what also started the 1970s increase. It's energy. Now, there are many reasons for that. Much of our carbon-based energy doesn't stop there. It goes into plastics, which goes into our clothing. It goes into food wrappings. It goes into heating our homes. And if we look at what is causing carbon prices to increase, uh, let's look at what's happening. Well, 
Fracking is politically unpopular and is being regulated out. Uh, pipelines are being shut down by policies and by bad actors who are, you may have heard there's ransomware. They're shutting these down using cybercrime, and so that reduces supply of the energy we rely on. And you may have heard uh, the uh, Arctic National Wildlife Refuge has been shut down for development. So those are all sources of carbon. And uh, we've uh, made a decision, directly or indirectly, to say we don't want those sources of energy, including coal, which is very uh, uh, damaging. It, you know, aerated mercury and all these other things, among other things. So these, we're trying to look for better alternatives. And we have a problem with wind and solar right now because of battery storage. If the wind doesn't blow or the sun doesn't shine, we don't have a good way to fire up those plants immediately. So this means less energy in supply. That means energy costs go up. And uh, we're seeing some new technologies, uh, new lithium battery technologies. Battery farms are being, uh, I believe they're under construction. Uh, for wind and solar, and we're seeing fourth-generation nuclear technology. Not only has it been approved, but we have discussions of citing those reactors of this uh, new uh, generation of nuclear technology that actually consumes nuclear waste and generates electricity in as a side, um, as a nice benefit. So uh, we see Georgia and Wyoming looking at to build these new. Uh, sites, but those are going to take years to come online. So right now, energy is probably going to drive most of the inflation. Supply chain disruptions uh, can cause inflation. Geopolitics, shortages, the pandemic, uh, regulations may decrease um, those fees. Tariffs, uh, for example, if I have a 25% tariff on softwood lumber from Canada, I'm going to pay 25% more if I'm not cutting down trees. And right now we see a shift of uh, the lumber uh, in America is has shifted from like the Pacific Northwest. Now it's in the, uh, the southern states. Uh, uh, pine is where we're getting that. But we no longer import as much as we used to from our Canadian neighbor. So all these things coalesce. And uh, Econ Nobel Laureate Paul Krugman, uh, who I used his book as a econ student in Georgetown, uh, talks about how small businesses and middle market businesses and middle and lower income people basically pay the price of inflation. And this is true. Uh, inflationary costs whatever the cause, generally flow down to consumers, people who buy this stuff. Now, you may be a homeowner moving uh, out of a city apartment into a single-family home, and you may notice housing increases. Um, so that is all a product of these inflationary home-building stuff. So there's other things that may increase prices that aren't technically inflation, but... Uh, those costs are ultimately paid by the end user. And these are things like taxes or even like gross receipts tax. People in some jurisdictions, it's popular. It's a top line tax. In other words, 
uh, we're going to ta uh, tax your top line income, not profit. And this is difficult because for low margin businesses like grocery stores or any business where you have to move a lot of stuff to make a little money, um, those uh, that generally eventually will increase the price of the good uh, that those that those tax increases may not be a line item on uh, the end product uh, like say a sales tax but it will be it'll eventually flow through the business and you'll pay more for a refrigerator or a head of lettuce so these things make everything more expensive so how do we protect ourselves let's get right down to it you may be in a position that you're providing a good or service and you want to protect yourself against these costs eating away where you could actually be losing money for example if I'm a I have a coffee shop and I sell coffee at you know three dollars a cup and the cost of coffee goes up inflation is at three percent and it costs me say I don't know two dollars to put that coffee on the table well inflation of three percent on that two dollars means basically I'm taking six cents I'm making six cents less per cup of coffee so what I'm gonna have to do is figure out what to do and it's important when you're talking about this is looking at the time frame. For example, let's take coffee. You may have noticed, I don't know, 10 years ago, a cup of coffee or maybe 15 years ago, it was like a buck. Now it's around $3. So uh, if it went from a buck to $3, that's a 3x or 300% increase in price. But that happened over a long period of time. So 300%... Um, divided by say 10 years that would be um, you know uh, what would that be um, 300 divided by 10 that'd be like a, a 30 percent increase or would it yeah so uh, that's still high but that could be a lot of things over a 10 year period maybe a 15 year period which would be less or a 20 year period it would be more like 15 cents so as things increase over time we may not notice it that much you know, a quarter more uh, per year at Starbucks. But what about what happened to lumber? In January, a two by four was around $3. Now it's $6. So that's a 100% increase over a three months period. So we look at the span of time is a very important variable. Uh, so let's think about we need an objective standard what is that objective standard to determine and I want to direct you to and I'll give you the link here uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics actually monitors these different types of inflation and the two most popular ones for manufacturers or producers is a producer price index or PPI and for consumers it's the CPI uh, uh, so that's consumer price index and we can uh, we'll get a little bit more into you uh, these when we actually go into how we deal with them in contracts but uh, what these indexes are they're like a basket of goods they may contain food or energy uh, that consumers may pay uh, for a, the PPI may contain a, a basket of different commodities that go into finished goods so these are indexes where we try to approximate 
And it was a little bit, well, arguably a little, a little bit more precise uh, before 2017 when the um, Bureau of Labor Statistics, I'll just call them BLS, uh, did city by city kind of CPIs. Well, they don't do that anymore. They do regionally. For example, they won't do a Seattle CPI. They'll do a regional one, a uh, western uh, region, and that's less precise. But if we want to drill down, there are subcategories where we can drill down. And all this data, again, Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, go to that website, it's in the, the notes. We can see things like, well, I'm in the service industry, so what does that mean? Well, wages. So let's look at wage inflation. They have that data. And you can drill down on wages specific to the industry. Uh, for example, uh, legal services are running at 4.5% inflation increase. Uh, what does this mean? For example, if you paid $550 per hour for a lawyer last year, this year it would be what, 574 75 So yeah, uh, basically $575, about $25 increase with a 4.5% increase per year. And that's how we can drill down and, and refine it. But let's go right into these seven ways to get those clauses in. One, I want to determine which CPI population group to use in the contract. And this is how to get more precise. So the two main flavors of consumer price index the BLS has is the CPIU, and as the name implies, this is the urban consumer. If I live in a metropolitan area, it measures the price change for urban consumers. And um, the price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers is the CPI-W. I guess W means wage earner. So it measures the price of a narrower population of Americans. In your escalation contract, your clause escalation contract, you should specify whether the CPU or CPW is used. A CPIU covers a significantly broader segment of Americans and represents the broadest measure of consumer inflation that the BLS produces. Therefore, it's typically subject to a smaller sampling error than the CPIW. So for your stats people out there, um, sample, you know, big sample is better, uh, smaller sample, higher sampling errors. Uh, therefore, the data is less reliable on the CPI-W. So the second thing I want to do is determine which CPI item category to use in the contract. So consumer price indexes are published for hundreds of item categories. There are separate indexes for bananas, medical care, televisions. But the broadest item category is all the items, which includes everything a consumer buys out of pocket, including food, energy, and all other items. An escalation contract must specify which CPI item category is to be used in escalation. And generally speaking, users are encouraged to specify a broad item category such as all the items in the index when writing an escalation contract because the broader the categories, we're remember sample size, we want a big sample size to be most objective and fair. Um, basically take away that. And the tactic used here, by the way, when you're looking at uh, CPI is uh, authority. If you can point to a third-party authority, that's important. 
Uh, if you want to allocate risk to the other side, you would say something like, uh, we can increase uh, prices up to 20%, uh, and if they're over that, then we have to amend the contract. And you actually see this in more contracts now, especially in the construction industry, with those construction plot, uh, uh, contracts going up where uh, cost escalations happen, but they can happen so far. For example, a, a construction company would want that higher number, 20%, whereas if I'm the, the, the builder uh, that relies on these construction materials, I probably want something less. And that's how that negotiation goes. So number three is to determine which geographic area to use in the contract. Remember I said CPIs are published in a wide variety of geographic areas? Um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, publishes... U.S. city averages on the national level, on the regional level, for example, south region, west region, and some metropolitan areas. So they haven't thrown out all the metropolitan areas, just the larger ones they do it. So, for example, if I'm in Atlanta, Georgia, or Houston, I can get pretty good data. If I'm in a smaller city like uh, Portland, Oregon, probably not so much. Number four, I want to determine which reference base to use and how to handle potential changes in that reference base. So what is a reference base? A reference base specifies which time period is set for 100 of the index. In other words, what's 100%? It would generally be, for example, the cleanest way to do it is at the beginning of the contract, but it may be another date. It may be data first acceptance of say a uh, deliverable so defining the reference base of a hundred allows users of the contract people in the contract to more easily calculate percentage changes over time for each cpi index series the bls does publish a current quote standard reference uh, for example i think cpiu uses um, a zero rate i think it's like 82 to uh, 1982, 1984 is 100%. Some index series, though, are different. So the escalation contracts must specify that reference base date. When is 100%, in other words? So um, those are things that help us better calculate because this may not impact you if you're doing a remodel on your deck uh, but if I'm a builder and I'm putting in 100 units, I definitely want to know exactly what the anchor date is on an inflationary adjustment that I allow in my cost escalation contract. Number five, use indexes that are not seasonally adjusted. So the BLS publishes indexes that are seasonally adjusted and some that are not in an escalation contract, the party should generally use an index that is not seasonally adjusted, and they should specify this in a contract. Why? Seasonally adjusted indexes are subject to revision each year, so they add a level of complexity that most es uh, escalation contracts don't really need. You want to say, good enough, we're not going to adjust it. Uh, yeah, this is risk, it's not precise, but Think about if you're doing a cost increase and then you say, nope, wait a minute, that was wrong because the seasonally adjusted came out and it's 0.01% lower. Depending on how many zeros I'm talking about, it could be a lot of money, could be nothing. But just set a marker, use it 
the non-seasonally adjusted average. That's the best way to use that metric. Number six, specify unique CPI index series. So the CPI population, item category, and reference base should explicitly state uh, what those reference bases are, what those categories are, what the population is in the contract in order to spell out which CPI is tied to that contract. The parties should know that they're using uh, indexes that aren't seasonally adjusted again. So those index series you want to be very specific. And how do you find out? You will go to the BLS website and get that data uh, from the notes. And finally, um, I want to talk about other considerations. So, and this is important, you have to specify uh, the base dollar amount. So if we have two people coming to a negotiation that and we're working on escalation contract cost escalation contract the CPI should specify the base amount to be escalated so these other considerations are important and if you don't want to use the CPI for whatever reason and again it's authoritative it's a third-party thing but it has to be specific we can't just say for example, if I were to say, uh, I this will the costs will escalate uh, CPI U for urban for the Portland metropolitan area, and if I do that contract in 2021, uh, I will have no reference because that data isn't reported anymore. So you want to make sure when you start your cost escalation clause that you glance the uh, BLS.gov site. It has the data is good. It's easy to use. Um, uh, and in a service economy, I really want to emphasize that wage inflation is really important. For example, uh, what causes wage inflation? A lot of things. Demand for uh, people uh, when unemployment is very low, you have, it's a worker's market. People are bidding up workers to get them just to show up. And we're seeing that in restaurants and where we need post-pandemic we need a lot of workers a lot of people are still uh, getting uh, unemployment and it's argued that there may not be some incentives whatever the case um, when you have too few goods or too few resources namely human resources and you have too many buyers employers wages are going to go up and they can go up, of course, for other reasons, say um, uh, minimum wage increase, uh, $10 to $15 an hour. Well, that's that's an increase that's going to be caught, uh, passed along. And uh, what I've found is minimum wage is um, not uh, basically very few employers uh, can get by with just paying minimum wage. A lot do for very entry-level jobs. But... Uh, in a hot market, um, those prices will probably be well above minimum wage. So that's a little bit about the dynamics in some of these contracts. So again, I really encourage you to sign up to the newsletter and get these materials. I'll send you all the links. You'll get detail on how to do these cost escalation clauses and the seven um, ways or the seven elements you want in those clause, clauses. 
This is Martin Medeiros in the Persuasion Lab. Thanks for joining. Let us know what you want to talk about. Uh, this episode is a little bit about a lot of the uh, talk we've had about uh, listeners where they are really having problems adjusting their prices when everything else is expensive in their contracts. What do you do? Price escalation clauses are the answer. Thank you so much. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week.